Hello everyone, welcome to Word with Dave Clay. We all need to experience at some level validation. What is validation? Validation is that you are real. Validation is that you are authentic. Validation is that your life has meaning and purpose. Validation is that you exist. And why? (laughs) Because otherwise it's all a construct. Uh... If we were just whatever we might presume to have no element of awareness, whatever being something that's alive, that exists, there's obviously inanimate objects I'd like to go a little more toward, things that are living, a blade of grass. I don't know why that came to my mind, but it did. Maybe because I have to mow by later today. A blade of grass. A blade of grass does not consider itself anything, <laughs> at least we presume. Although I have heard that the smell that comes from freshly mown grass really is the grass crying out to all others. Blades. <laughs> now there's a lawnmower nearby, and it's a cry for, I don't know, warning cry, cry for help, maybe, that an injury or an insult has occurred. So... Maybe I'm just not aware of it, but I'm not sure anybody has been able to prove that plates of grass have any sense of awareness, at least not in the same sense that we have a sense of awareness. It's a construct, though. We create self. We don't do it singularly, totally, in some singular dimension, although some, some more than others We have the input of others, um, primary, parental, secondarily, even as a child, primary parents give us a name, they give us a sense of who we are and purpose, and some of that is symbiotic in the sense that if they're not doing very well in life and we're born into that, then we may not do very well, and unfortunately... It's hard on the front end of all of this to separate ourselves from those around us. But that's the first brush with validity. Whether And I should add, I didn't a moment ago, but it's important to note success. Uh, edification, validation too is success. Not only that you exist, but that... Your life not only has meaning and purpose, but it brings a sense of satisfaction. It brings, but even as I'm saying all of these things, tried to define success as best I can in a conceptual sort of way. It's a construct. But imagine that all of the parts, others, judging, judgments, theirs, then yours. Your input, your friends, your significant others. Just random events in life. Whether you have a tragedy, a bad thing happens. We call it bad. That's a judgment too. But a thing happens. And it's trauma. It's loss. Thus traumatizing. 
some worse again than others in terms of those circumstances or elements to the construct or the construction of self. So it gets a little bit out there as to trying to figure out where it all comes from. And certainly I think everybody has, when they get old enough to be aware of self or they've been to the place of construction or gotten to the place of construction in terms of self, that they have an identity, then they can do more (laughs) to direct that and to balance that and to find some sense of meaning and purpose, service unto self for survival's sake, uh, but also others. And that's when (laughs) psychologists and psychological counselors and social workers and psychiatrists step in. Uh, When self begins to really form or in those most formative years, Obviously, if you can talk and you can talk to the person and they've gone through that developmental stage of cognitive, developmental stage of recognizing they can be different than the world around them. It's not entirely symbiotic in that way. Uh, Then we can begin to help them (laughs) construct a better sense of self. To develop better self-esteem, to know what they're good at, to celebrate that, to offer feedback, and with that, possibly assist in their decision-making about what they want to do with their life, who they want to be around. Uh, Again, that's the work of psychological counseling. We can do all of those things and assist, but at the same time, I just want to remind you, before I read the article from Psychology Today, that self is a construct. Somebody is going to do it, either others or yourself. And really, ideally, it's probably on the front end more others as we mature. And on the backside, it's more ourselves. But it's always going to be a bit of a balance, which means not only relationship, but with ourselves, but also with others. Jennifer Kalusker, PhD. Relationships, appreciation, psychology today, May, June, 2023, getting the recognition you crave. We all want more kudos than we receive. Here are five ways to handle that hard truth and help celebrate others while we're at it. Humans have a deep need to receive the recognition we think we deserve. Unfortunately, the world around us and the people in it don't always supply this applause in a quantity that satisfies. How then can we reconcile our desire for appreciation with the short supply of it in daily life without becoming frustrated, angry, and resentful in our relationships, ultimately damaging our own well-being? The desire for recognition pervades everyday life. It can come from how well we cooked dinner, how much time and effort we put into a project at work or invested in creative pursuits we've shared in the hope that they may stand out. When such efforts are not recognized or are taken for granted, it can lead to what is called the hamster wheel of recognition. 
the constant pursuit of acknowledgement where we are always striving but end up in the same place. Escaping the hamster wheel. While recognition seeking can come with benefits such as motivating people, albeit extrinsically, to persist in the pursuit of goals, fixating on whether we receive this attention can lead to mental distress. Workers get burnt out from putting in overtime without sufficient acknowledgement of their efforts. Stay-at-home parents may grow bitter from the unpaid and unrecognized labor of child-rearing and housework day after day. One common way we try to avoid these negative feelings is to actually increase the time we spend chasing recognition. More projects, more work, more effort. The tendency to bite off more than we can chew may damage our most important relationships if we sacrifice time and attention with the people we care about most. How to manage the desire for recognition. The reality is, try as we may, we cannot avoid recognition seeking entirely. How can we then prevent or mitigate the negative consequences of longing for acknowledgement? The following strategies may help us more realistically appraise and pursue a need for recognition. I would be lying if I said I had mastered these perfectly given that from time to time I find myself people-pleasing and striving relentlessly. Nevertheless, flagging these behaviors is the first step to managing them. Doing so relieves you of unnecessary shame And you can learn to use the desire for appreciation to do good for yourself and others. Be in competition with yourself, not others. While it's impossible to live in a vacuum where you never compare yourself with others, you can consciously focus on how you have improved over time. Choose where you seek recognition. There's no shame in being intentional about whose feedback is more important. One exercise for my clients. Imagine a favorite celebrity. What do their peers think of them? Would everyone like the celebrity as much as you do? Even the most famous have their critics. Reflect on one person who has had a positive impact on your life. I call this the power of one. The person could be a parent, teacher, partner, friend, writer, or historical figure. Then imagine having a similarly positive impact on just one person, resulting in that person holding you in similar esteem. Remember that there is great meaning and value in positively influencing just one person's life. Acknowledge others. In a world where recognition is hard to come by, add some yourself. Applauding others not only helps the people whose work you admire, but it also might help you feel good about performing an act of kindness. Live in accordance with your values. By examining the personal values you prioritize, you can live in a way that aligns with the kind of person you want to be. 
if you don't find respect from others, you can get it from yourself. The reality is, try as we may, we cannot avoid recognition seeking entirely. Life can feel like a race to get to those or get to the finish line of your goals. When those goals are solely or largely based on seeking recognition from others, you risk self-sabotage and emotional distress. By periodically slowing down and checking in with yourself, your needs, and your values, you will gain an effective roadmap from finding meaning and purpose and ensure that you don't miss the more scenic routes along the way. Jennifer Kalusker, PhD, is a clinical psychologist and an adjunct professor at St. John's University. Psychology Today, May, June of 2023. Relationships, appreciation, getting the recognition you crave. We all want more kudos than we receive. Here are five ways to handle the hard truth and help celebrate others while we're at it. So should it be all about validation? Yes, you exist. And with that, whatever your measure would be as to valuation, whatever standard, it's probably going to be better if it's yourself than somebody else, if for no other reason than you have more say over it. And in that way, if you don't like yourself, it doesn't probably really matter what other people should try to tell you, it won't work. Especially if in not liking yourself, they're trying to convey love and like for you. The disadvantage, of course, is, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, most of us have our first sort of image as we begin to be able to, are capable of, become capable of either the finishing or the continued construction and then finishing of our identity and self. By the time we get there, there's a lot of things that have happened that might have been most discouraging. And then with that, there may be a lot of people. There's a sociological, a psychosocial effect of parenting and those primary support systems as a child, if they're not doing so well, or maybe they're not very well put together people, or maybe they're biased or prejudiced when it comes to the world, their construct of themselves within the world is not necessarily that efficacious, elegant, positive. The world's not a safe place. You're going to be corrupted with that or by that by the time that you even get to the place of starting to be able to work on yourself from yourself. And unfortunately, your familiarity with those individuals, that's really what psychosocial development is all about, is that becomes the standard then not only for some sense of who you are, as with identity and self, but you will likely learn who and how to exist in a family 
a um, your person's sort of way and will gravitate toward individuals who are like that simply because that's what you've been conditioned to. That's what you've been taught. And the familiarity is there. So it's really easy to surround yourself, even should you escape your family uh, or all the negativity of your family or those things that maybe we view as, as I said also earlier in the podcast, is bad, a values judgment, you're still going to likely gravitate toward others who are like that simply because that's what you know. That's what your experience has shown you. And with that... There's also the dimension of negative attention seeking. Sometimes negative attention is better than no attention. And if we, unfortunately, not only in an immediate family sort of way, uh, home of origin, uh, primary family group are surrounded by negative people, but That becomes cultural and becomes geographical, becomes regional. And sometimes it is very difficult to get out of there and to maybe be able to see yourself in different light. But should you accept most of the premises of the podcast today, then when you do have the chance to take management of, control of, who you are, your self-esteem, do so. (laughs) But you probably will always need someone, at least on the front end, to agree, to understand, to participate in helping you to achieve that. And again, that's where psychological counseling comes in. That would be (laughs) a primary task. And would once more reflect an attempt to not only understand what you want to be, hopefully that's based on what you're good at in some ways, or have experienced some efficacy, have experienced some success in, but we can acknowledge that, we can establish that, we can celebrate that, And that's what validation is. And as we also are likely to come up with at least some adjustments based on where you are and where you want to end up and who you're with now and who you want to finish with later or who has come and gone. And even so, you still may be going through the trauma that loss may be what's happened in the past that seemingly has almost taken your very identity away from you, if not your actual life, trauma, then the foundation that we establish in validating not only your existence, but celebrating your successes, acknowledging your successes, identifying your resources, Seeing that within context of resiliency and already established adaptability, you're still alive and you're still working on this, then we can begin to take on the challenge of change. But that truly then has to be there 
lest there would be such negativity, poor self-esteem, that you would not know how to self-validate, self-affirm. You would not have self-esteem. You would not understand that you must make a decision as to a primary, a predominant, and that would then be primary, first sort of step, first sort of look, lens to look through, to measure yourself, and that needs to be you. The ratio should be you more than others. And as you would then depend too much on others for validation, either either of your existence, attention-seeking, but also worth, self-esteem, success, good versus the bad in life, you're going to be playing to that audience. And sometimes that audience can be fickle. Sometimes that audience may be themselves having a bad day. And if they're not very healthy, and for whatever reason you've made a promise, a commitment, there's a sense of loyalty, and you are not going to escape them, you're not going to walk away from the situation, then you may have to, at least for a while, be the stronger of the two. I see that often in marriage-like situations where an individual goes through a bad period of time. They have unfinished business, things come up, and the other individual in the relationship has to shoulder a bit of the burden. And that may not be for a short period of time. It could be an extended period of time. If you're in the position of shouldering the burden or being the positive one, being the affirming one, being the validating one, being the one who goes through it, much like, again, the psychological counselor would, the circumstance with your once more significant other, your person, then you being positive can make a world of difference, especially if the perception, the threat, the degree of distress the other individual is going through may lead them to some place of even questioning the meaning and purpose of their life, the reason they're here. Will it ever get better? Is this going to really be the end of me? I know that no one can do that singularly, There is a risk of being too dependent on your significant other. There's always, I believe, advantage and benefit in a strong support system outside of even that relationship, marriage-like relationship with your significant other. You both may end up receiving psychological counseling individually or as a couple so that you would get the support from someone else, who, by the way, should never require so much validation from you, input. A thank you now and then helps, even as a professional. And I believe the author captures that a bit. 
But the ratio needs to be as much you, but when you can't do it, it's good to have others there and to know that because one day all of us will or should expect to be in that situation. It's good to know who your friends are, <laughs> what you've got in terms of resource in your significant other relationship and also have your psychological counselors, either phone number so that you can call or text or office number or whatever it is the way you choose to get a hold of them so you can get that support. And it doesn't have to be a psychological counselor. It can be friend. It can be family. It can be clergy. I'm not saying we're the sole source. But in that way, that is our expertise. At least that's what we claim as expertise, and I believe it's true. But when we understand it that way, then not only is there going to be help or assistance there, but it's not going to cost you anything in personal dimensions. There's transactional dimensions to it as a profession. It's professional. It's a service. But at the same time, though, wouldn't it be better just to put that over here so it doesn't have to be over there? I'm not going to extract anything from you in personal dimension. Yes, there is a little bit. If not, you may consider it to be an investment sort of proposition. A investment in financial sort of ways to engage in the service, but it's clean in the sense that it doesn't cost you personally. It doesn't cost you emotionally. It shouldn't. It shouldn't cost you in any sort of dimension. That's kind of also why, in a professional sense, that works better. Just dispense with and get the promise of objectivity. You don't have to get into an unhealthy sort of reliance upon your psychological counselor or them upon you that goes with all the emotional attachments will allow that to be with your friends and family and your significant other. We're pretty clean. It's ethically the way it should be. But I do think there's advantage in that. And maybe in some ways... It is unconditional. We call it unconditional positive regard because to call it unconditional love sounds a little bit sketchy. But it is. It's that affirmation that we usually associate with love. And maybe that's the best kind. Is when I've got nothing to gain from what I'm saying in that manner or way. And should never exploit anyone in their most vulnerable of times. But... If I'm there and if I'm doing it ethically and responsibly and with sound mind and good theory and evidence-based sort of research and, again, a very sound empirical model, it goes along with that research, (laughs) that highest order of study and empiricism, hypothetical deductive inductive reasoning, then it's, again, probably, if not your best chance at unconditional regard, it's got to be one of the closest. That's what we try to do in the podcast, though. And what I really like about or appreciate about the podcast, there's many things, but one of those things I really appreciate is I don't know you. So I, I am sort of playing to an audience, but 
you know, I'm not one of those individuals that has mass followings. Nobody pays me to do this. So, so it's got no secondary gain attached to it. And I don't want to, so to speak, preach to itching ears and tell you just what you want to hear. I just want to be straight up. But I do have regard and concern, and that's why I do it. And that is one of our ethical mandates, is supply, provide information to the community to be a good source, not only for the individual, not only from the standpoint of someone that comes to see me in a professional dimension, but just to give back to the community, to help everyone as best we can. That's why I do the podcast, and... I think it helps. I think it works. And I think it's the highest, one of the highest orders of my professional sort of ethical considerations. I can do this. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I see you say now it'd be a quarter. Maybe it's a 50 cent piece. Maybe it's a dollar. Seems to me like we're going to do away with all of that and eventually put it all in some sort of Bitcoin sort of fashion. But at the same time, all it really costs you is some time (laughs) and a willingness to come back. That's why I always invite you back, which is at this point in the podcast that I'm going to always do it. And today being no exception, I would like to invite you back to Word with Dave Clay. Should you, for whatever reason, want to reach out to me, you can call 304-523-WORD-9673. You can find us at thewordhouse.com. You can email me at thewordhouse@frontier.com. Should you need assistance, remember Psychology Today provides an online directory of vetted and qualified psychotherapists, psychologists, psychological counselors, social workers, psychiatrists that are either in your geographical area, should you want the face-to-face, or certainly are licensed to practice in your state of residence, and you can do it virtually, telehealth. But That's a good resource. And there's plenty of individuals in that directory. So whichever one you would choose, I would hope you would believe that there would be no secondary gain there except, once again, to help you. But should you want to again return, we do this weekly. Usually drop it on Sunday in the area in which I live. But wherever you live, it'll be the same day every week. And would hope that you would look forward to it. Again, you're listening to Word with Dave Clay. And as we conclude, I want to wish you, with today's podcast, I want to wish you the best and not only good physical health, mind health, but just the best in life. And I sincerely do want to say thank you.